0: The following program was paid for by the Tony Colladio Show. The future is most definitely now. Welcome to 8Base Radio, an interactive show featuring technology trends, top business leaders, and upcoming events in the business world. 8Base Radio is hosted by 8Base founder and CEO Albert Santalo, a serial entrepreneur and angel investor with a passion for disrupting traditional business models. Now, here is Albert and your 8Base Radio team on 880 AM, The Biz.
1: Good afternoon. This is Albert Santalo here with another installment of 8Base Radio. Today we have the, the gentleman from Collab to Grow, Ken Coppins and Bob Jones. We're super excited to have these guys here. Uh, I'll give a brief introduction to who these guys are and then we'll, uh, we'll jump right into it. So we've, we've actually known each other for many years and I'll, I'll let them tell the story. Uh, but they are an 8Base client and they've been using the 8Base technology to build the software for their new company. So we're really, really excited to hear about how that's been going uh, we've been at this effort together for uh, a few months, and uh, these guys are very, very experienced entrepreneurs and business people that are doing some very, very exciting things with the eight-based technology. So with that, welcome Ken and Bob.
2: Thank you, Albert. Thanks very much, uh, Albert. Ken Coppins here, uh, uh, currently CEO of uh, collab to grow and uh, we're, we're delighted to have the opportunity to chat with you today
1: great great well thank you both and uh where are you guys today
2: uh we're both in uh working out of uh out of our home offices uh in and around boston
1: oh wonderful how's the weather up there
2: uh it's a little chilly no, not not like uh, <laughs> south florida yeah uh, i was in south florida for uh, for holiday and uh it's 82 degrees so i miss i miss the warm weather that you guys are enjoying <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm looking out the window right now, and I see palm trees blowing in the wind and sunshine. So God bless you guys. We're
3: yeah, that's, that's not really that's not really nice to do, Albert. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, hey, it's easily fixed. We just need you guys to move down here.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, good. Well, listen, thank you both again for for joining. So. You guys, you know, we could probably spend the next hour with, uh, you know, talking about what you guys have done. Uh, but maybe if you give us, you know, maybe, Ken, you can start. Tell us a little bit about uh, about your background. And uh, and then, Bob, maybe you can do the same.
2: Sure. Well, thanks, Albert. Um, well, I've been in professional services uh, and a bidder in technology for my uh, entire work career uh... which uh... which at this point is uh, well over thirty five years of professional services consulting in in uh... in variety of roles uh... from um, you know doing application development to implementation to strategic consulting uh... have also had a variety of national and global roles so uh... pretty 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 experienced in in uh in the consulting consulting management uh, professional services but um you know along the way um I, I always had and was interested in uh relationships with uh with other vendors And in uh in our work uh you know most uh usually i would say um you know there was always some either technology vendor whether it was uh, an application um provider or a hardware or software uh, technology company that uh, you, you're partnering with to provide services. So, um, you know, somebody brought the technology, somebody brought software, somebody brought, uh, you know, the services component, and you and you and you joined up and you provided it to a, to a client. Uh, and that's just one, one area of, you know, in terms of a collaborative relationship. Um, but I managed a number of those throughout the years in, in, in variety of capacities. And when I retired, from professional services a year or so ago, I was encouraged by a number of people to say, you know what, the the whole alliance, alliance management space seems to be underserved. Um, and uh, I did a little research and, and had some encouragement and I, I'd worked with Bob for many years. And, and Bob, um, which I'll let him uh, talk about his own experience, uh, why we work together and separately, but, but Bob is a uh, you know, very experienced uh, program and project manager. And we realized that um, you know we had some expertise we could we could bring to the market um, we did find that it was underserved The relationships now are 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 quite important to 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 most CEOs that they're figuring about uh, you know as part of their growth engines uh, as part of their strategy they need they need relationships with others uh, whether it's access to the distribution channel or to resources or to open up new markets but you know, re- relationships are important. What we found and learned through history is that uh, they don't always go so well. Uh, they're not well organized. They're they're um, uh, not well managed. They're they're not focused. Uh, uh, sometimes the resources that 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 are needed aren't aren't put on it, and it's um, uh, you know, and it falls it falls away and disappoints, uh, and, and might outright fail. So. Um, Bob and I joined up and and, and realized we would like to um, uh, have some fun, uh, but also provide a need uh, to help improve that. At the same time, as we were doing this, um, there was a methodology that came out through ISO uh, ISO forty four zero zero one, which is a collaboration framework. So it provides some best practices and standards. So we we've embraced that as well as part part of yeah. our. Uh, uh, methodology and
1: support. Sure. Sure. So, Uh, so, so Ken just, and, and sorry to, to cut you off there, but I, I want to make sure we highlight a little bit of your experience leading up to this. So, you know, when I met you, which was in 1997 or thereabouts, and I, I met both of you guys around that time, it was when we were all at answer Think consulting group. And, uh, You know, I think we can all agree that was a pretty amazing experience. So Ken had been one of the seven partners, senior partners at KPMG Consulting, who had left the the firm along with the partner in charge of consulting, raised 20 million dollars of venture capital, started AnswerThink in 1997 and a, a, a mere 11 months later took the company public. Did I get that right?
2: Absolutely, Albert. It was an amazing run, right? right. With a lot of hard work and uh, knocking on doors and uh, leveraging our contacts, and um, you know, but uh, we had a great team. You um, know, it, it was a great time, all right? But uh, a lot of hard work uh, to really pound the streets, yeah. and 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 we were hampered a little bit as well because um, um, we separated from from KPMG, as you as you point out but we couldn't we couldn't do work with our existing clients right so if we had relationships from uh we couldn't use those so we built the business right by not being able to use our our, our network or our existing relationships for the first uh, first couple of years
1: yeah yeah that, that was that was an amazing thing but let let's let's think about this for a minute you're a senior partner at KPMG uh KPMG's business had been growing very, very handsomely, during that period, and we're we're talking about the early days of the dot com boom, so companies large and small are investing big money into technology and here you are and 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 Bob as well right, and a number all the other people that that did this because there were fifty people that left kpmg to start answerthink um, these people you know everyone's comfortable right, and so what is it that that makes a person like you get up from a comfortable Situation where you're you're successful, you're you're being, you know, taken around in limousines to large companies. Walk away from all that and take all that kind of risk on on the bet that you know the entrepreneurial venture is going to be successful.
2: Um, I guess Albert it was a couple of things. One was times were changing, right? We were we were part of a, a business that 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 had audit, consulting, and tax and um you know while consulting consulting was uh you know was growing, we were still second fiddle uh to um you know to the audit and tax practices and uh, a number of things that that you know were changing we wanted to provide services uh you know broad services and technology to our to you know to our clients and in some cases we couldn't we were restricted because of the audit sure. you know the audit relationship so so there were opportunities. There, it was also a time when equity was a um, was a unique thing for the um, uh, for the technology companies in the dot com boom, and and while we were enjoying great great um, you know great compensation and a comfortable environment, it really wasn't an equity model. So, um, you know, what was presented to us was an opportunity to to be a little bit freer, um, you know, serve serve our clients in in you know in different ways. Um, but also have an opportunity to earn some equity. So if we built the business, which we thought we could, and, and we didn't have the handcuffs that we had at, at KPMG, um, we could, um, you know, we could enjoy the fruits of of, um, of an equity partnership. Uh, you know, yeah. where we would actually build equity for ourselves. And I think that was the attraction. And you know, I can tell you, I myself uh, was at it was at a particular age. which said, you know, look, I know there's a lot of risk in this. But I know I have the skills. I can always get another job, and I can, you know, um, I can either consult or, or or get a job in industry. So for us, it was a kind of a turning point, right? And yeah. um, and we took it, and uh, you know, did it with a group of guys that I believed in.
1: Yeah, no, that's it. It's a great story. Great. And today, today that company is still around. It's called the Hackett Group. Um, it lists on the Nasdaq and has done very very well. And, you know, and now I guess we're 21 years 20 or so into the founding of that company, and Ted Fernandez still at the helm. So great, great story. For me, it was uh, one of my, I was there from 1997 to 2001. For me, it was uh, an amazing uh, experience. But probably, you know, aside from, you know, a couple things for me that were really important there was, number one, watching how guys like you run a fast startup play. You know, because going from zero to IPO in 11 months is not trivial. And raising twenty million dollars in venture capital along the way is not trivial, and then working with a lot of smart people, so one of the, one of the greatest things that happened for me in that time was meeting you guys and other people like you. and we've you know I, I think most of us you know as alumni of AnswerThink, we all keep in touch and collaborate wherever possible and uh, it's been a great experience so So Bob, why don't you tell us a little bit about your perspective on 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 your experience? uh the the answer think experience and what you've done since
3: yeah it, it's kind of interesting that's my 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 career I had a little bit of a some shifts that from ken as, as ken mentioned we worked together uh at k p m g for in in a national technology practice um you know i had actually left k p m g before uh before all the partners exited for AnswerThink and was uh, a CIO at uh, a regional bank here up in Boston uh, for about five years, uh, I had been always staying in touch with Ken. Uh, and, you know, I was, I was talking to him about potentially coming back to KPMG and he said, man, why don't you just hold for a few minutes <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and so I actually was probably one of the non KPMG members of the first fifty at AnswerThink. but it's uh, kind of similar. I mean, it, it was a, an exciting time to get uh, get an opportunity to be uh, an equity player in a startup company, uh, and it was just it was just a blast. Um, Ken and I, I can picture Ken and I now sitting in a shared office situation one of us on the one phone and the other on the cell phone dialing for dollars yep yep. in those early days it was and it was really exciting and fun um you know and uh it was i think it was about month one where kpmg decided to tell us we couldn't go talk to our old clients so uh made it even more stressful but um uh, it was exciting. Like I said, uh, you don't get an opportunity like that uh, uh, often. And yeah. uh, and it, as you mentioned, it, it was a different kind of a startup. It was a, it was you know, fifty people and twenty million dollars. not your typical boot bootstrap startup.
1: Yep, yep, absolutely. Very very fast situation. And Bob, so yeah. you you were at you were at Answer Think from the beginning till what year?
3: Um, I left there in 2005 to join uh, Xerox, uh, and I, I I was the CIO, and then I ran their uh, their largest business process uh, outsourcing contract, a 2.3 billion dollar contract with the U.S. Department of Education. So, if anyone's ever had a student loan, I probably serviced it. <laughs>
1: so that's a very um, different environment. So you were CIO at Xerox. Very large established company uh, that had to be a lot different for you than the you know the answer think situation.
3: Yeah, and uh, you know you know large corporate America. You know it has its it has
1: its pluses for
3: sure, Um, but it has its downsides. Certainly not uh, that exciting. Get up in the morning. I just want to go kill it. Kind of place to work. Um, But it was interesting because. you know it gave me the opportunity um, to do some very large you know large scale kind of corporate management i at one point in time i, I managed about seventeen hundred people uh, and uh as as Ken talked about when we came together around collab to grow it's kind of because the collab the strategic alliance business really has some you know has some unique elements to it. But it also has at its core a uh, very strong program management kind of thing. So when Ken and I kinda talked about our, our our backgrounds really are very complementary for the business that we now are running. So
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's probably a pretty good segue. Um into you know, I wanna ask you a couple of questions and then let's get into Collab to Grow and how, how all that works. But so you get you guys if and I, if I could summarize a little bit of your experience, so very very much, in, in you guys have seen big companies, the biggest of the uh, biggest and the best. You've been in entrepreneurial settings. Uh, you've been in entrepreneurial settings where you're actually servicing the largest companies. Um, you've seen the best of both. What what do you think's changed in those years? So you know. From 97 doing AnswerThink in the cusp of the dot-com days to today starting a company from scratch again, how do you see the difference? Uh,
3: I could answer, at least from my perspective, I think the, the biggest difference now is is the, the, the pace of change, speed in general. Uh, you know, things are happening so quickly, you know, in the, you know, the, Digital transformation clearly has, has changed the world when people like Amazon and Uber can come in and completely disrupt businesses in, in months or years, short years as opposed to how long it used to take in the past. So you know I think you really have to have a, a, a you have to have a speed mentality with an, entre- an entrepreneur, uh, you know a startup, To get to market with whatever it is got to get to market with, you're planning to get to market, you better get there fast um, or you're going to get disrupted away. So I I think speed is probably the biggest thing that I think. Yeah,
1: no, that's for sure. Wouldn't, Wouldn't you also say that there's a lot more things that make you, that help you go faster, right, than there was back then?
3: yeah well exactly if you think about and I can tell you from collab to grow because i'm I'm kind of driving the back back office stuff for collab to grow all the uh, the cloud capabilities that you can subscribe to um uh, just get you up to speed way faster than you know you could ever get in the past um, and obviously the you know the technology as you know one of the reasons we chose 8 base was the speed to develop, you know, our SaaS platform that's going to support our business. You know, in the the past, if you had to go dig up a whole bunch of programmers and, you know, it could be years. And again, in today's world, you probably wouldn't be in business in two years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, it should require a lot less money as well. I think that's a big difference from 1997 to now.
3: Yeah, I I would I couldn't agree more. In fact, you know, I think in if we had started collab to grow 15 years ago, if we wouldn't have been able to bootstrap our business as we have been able to. Yep, that's um, right. We you know, we would have definitely needed funding and and if we didn't get funding, we wouldn't we wouldn't be where we are today. So, we've had a, you know, a unique ability because of uh the availability of products like eight days in the market to actually bootstrap our business, which allows us obviously not to dilute, dilute our equity.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, exactly. So, so, so let's talk about collab to grow a little bit. So let me, maybe I can replay it, you know, to you in terms of how I see where you guys play and the opportunity that you're pursuing. So any two large companies, create an alliance, which in today's day and age has become super important because companies have to go to market together. They can't innovate their own products rapidly enough, and mashups of product offerings and things like that have become more the norm. And then in addition to that, technology where companies are actually creating APIs for their entire company have probably accelerated that trend even more. But yet, when these companies come together, there's a significant amount of dysfunction and mismanagement. Would you agree?
3: Yes. Yeah. And just to put some some stats around there, there's been some studies said pretty much 85% of companies look at alliances as uh, foundational to their business, yet well over 50% of them fail. So... So you, yeah, you hit it right on the head.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I would say there's probably different kinds of alliances. There might be there might be alliances that happen where it's two digital fully digital players and they sort of synthesize the things they do and it's sort of connected at the technology level. And then there's uh, two players that might have feet on the street and enterprise sales force that are joint selling their products and uh it it's very much of a people management issue and a product management issue and a marketing effort uh, synthesis that has to happen to make all that work is that is that about right
2: That's certainly one uh, one aspect of it albert uh, you know um what we're seeing today uh you know a product and a service company both trying to get to the you know get to serve a client. They need each other. One needs the technology. One needs the service offering. So you're exactly right. Um, the pitfall is that there has to be balance. There has to be balance so that there's something in the in the relationship, and it's not just opportunistic, right? Because oftentimes my experience has been somebody will come to you and say, look, I want to create a strategic alliance between two entities, and it's truly not strategic. One just wants to cannibalize the pipeline or the client base of the other. A true alliance is you're really going to go to market and you're going to share. And there's got to yeah. be balance because there has to be something in it for, for both parties. And whether it's technology, whether it's the airlines, uh, you know, access, access to clients or innovation, those are the big drivers, right? Everybody's, the primary focus of most alliances, right, is about growth and revenue.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And um, what happens if you don't get in front of all of that early in the life cycle of an alliance
2: then uh our our view is that if you, if it's not properly set up if you don't have mutual goals uh you're not committed to the relationship properly um, then it's going to go off the rails pretty quickly right and one one partner is going to take advantage of the other uh and somebody's not going to be happy so um you know our emphasis to collab to grow is our speech sweet spot is really to ensure that um, the objectives are set right, um, that they're communicated, um, that they're out in front of the organization, and that both both entities you know understand that there's something in it in the relationship, and that and that they're committed to achieve those goals together. Uh, oftentimes, that's not the case so if there's a relationship that is off the tracks then we go back start back and do a do a do a push button reset go through the goals and try to get them get them organized or the relationship shouldn't have been in place in the first uh, in the very beginning because it really wasn't a strategic alliance it was an opportunity
1: right 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 so so i would imagine that if you you, you head down the path let's say you you ink the deal you get the alliance set up it's mismanaged at the beginning. Let's say that that goes on for the first six months. It's probably pretty hard to rescue one of these after that, wouldn't you say?
2: Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, unless, unless you can get both parties to agree to the failures and the lack of commitment or resource and have to go back and restart and, and reestablish the goals. Yeah, and if they're not willing to do that, then it's then it's basically for naught.
1: Right, right. But but the the best practice has to be get it set up right from the beginning and make it successful. No question about it. Meet. And
2: that's why we place a great yeah. amount of effort effort and emphasis on the structure, the commitment, the planning, and as Bob said, right, it's really about at that point, you know, you're really running a program, and if you think about it, right. As Bob said, you know, 85% of uh, executives today think of alliances as as truly strategic and foundational to their business. Upwards of of, um, 40% of their annual revenues are going to come from alliance. Wouldn't one think that you would manage that as – think of the alliance as an asset and that you would manage it and structure it and put your best people on it and report on it uh, and and make sure that the progress is being made if 40% of your revenue is at stake? That's where it fails. Yeah. Generally, it fails. It's, oh, you know, I get two executives agree they want to do something. They don't put the right resources on it. uh, They don't put their best people on it. They don't pay attention to it. And then they're surprised six months later when, why didn't this happen?
1: For sure. Because
2: it wasn't managed the way you would any other strategic asset.
1: Do you have any statistics on the success or failure rate of alliances? Yes, yeah. um, they're
3: kind of they're kind of all over the map, um, <laughs> and and again, one of the things that got us to jo- get into this space was, you know, it's a pretty underserved space. You you won't find data in Forrester, or Gartner, or anything, but there, there's been a few studies, um, and you know, you you'll find anywhere between fifty and seventy five percent of alliances don't meet the expectation of the partners. No. Yeah. So, it's pretty it's a pretty abysmal uh story when it comes to alliances. And and anecdotally, you know, do you can do a Google search and find, you know, failures all over the place from, yeah. just from an anecdotal perspective. But it and it and it gets back to like you know, Ken had mentioned, um, uh, you know, a lot of these alliances start, you know, a couple of CEOs meet at a conference, have a cocktail and say we should do something, right? And they never get past well what is it that you know what would be a success for our partnership you know what are the KPIs that we should measure so it kind of goes from you know the the C-suite down to a bunch of people who say go make it happen without that that whole uh, front end piece where you really establish that that common vision and what are the shared and individual goals because pretty much every alliance will have both shared and individual goals on the partners and, and, and both partners need to understand both of those things. Yeah. Uh, and then, then finally it gets down to, like I said, execution, you know, good old fashioned program management.
1: Right. Right. No, I, I, absolutely. I, on the flip side, you know, as much as an alliance can go wrong and be super disruptive and just waste everyone's time and money when it goes right, it can be incredibly strategic for for the for both players, right? Because normally it's it's about inexpensive, you know, broader access to channels. It's about inexpensive uh, cost of client acquisition, product sales, and fueling growth and you know differentiation for companies. You agree with that?
2: No question, Albert. Right? You know, and the ones that are successful, you know, I think. Uh, you know, everybody understands the relationship in the airlines, right? That, uh, you know, if you fly globally, you, know, you fly American, you, you fly One World, or you fly, uh, you know, Air France and Delta, you know, have relationship. Sure. They, they couldn't afford to put their planes around the world. So the network of the co-share, revenue share, right, in different markets, they're able to keep their resources in regions, but yet share in the revenue of moving the customers, right, you know, throughout, throughout the globe. That's a terrific model, right? For success, right? They understand what it is. They uh, they're leveraging each other's assets, and uh, but they're able to share revenue. So that's a that's a wildly successful model.
1: Yeah, that's a great example. You know, the, the way. So so why don't you tell us about the way you guys approach this specifically? And you know, I I just like to highlight as you get into this, it almost seems like. So you're going to head down this path of you're going to create this alliance. Uh, if it doesn't go well, it bodes poorly for the executives and the management teams of any of these companies because normally these things are done at a board of directors level. And so why wouldn't those players put an insurance policy in place and bring Collab to growing? It just it just seems like a no-brainer to me.
2: Well, um we're glad you think that way and we're and we're and we're we're hoping that we'll able to get that distribute that message and grow and grow our business. Uh the way we started, Albert, um as you know, is we had some expertise and um uh we really started with advisory services, you know, advising advising clients on, you know, on the way to do this, right? And and uh and, and so that's how we started out and it was uh just a couple of us, Bob and myself. And um, you know we had just embraced the uh, the ISO methodology, and uh, we didn't have many assets. So what we had to do was start with advisory services. We're able to prove our methodology and tailor our methodology where it it uh, you know it's streamlined, it's more efficient as every consultant does. But we're able to bring our experience and disciplines to to uh, to leverage the parts of ISO that make that make sense. And and now we've we've moved from just advisory services to really able to deliver uh, and manage uh, an alliance for clients. So on a client. So on a managed service basis. So we've had the spot on, you know, hey hey come do a diagnostic, right? You know you know set me on the right direction kind of advisory services thing with traditional consulting. Now we're able to uh, be in a position where we're able to manage a relationship for a client actually serve as the right. clients management office if you will right a tech you know and the last piece is where we're involved with 8 with eight uh, with base is we're hoping to bring technology to the table so that we can gain leverage and actually help our clients uh, around the discipline um, and the best practices you know maybe even uh, be able to apply some AI and machine learning on the decisioning process up front but to have a platform so that the clients could manage their relationships themselves. So we would have, uh, you know, think of a, a, a three-legged stool. We've got three legs to the business. Um, you know, the first being the advisory services thing, which, you know, leverage the expertise and experience of Bob, myself, and, and our other consultants. The second is we can take on managed service contracts. We're actually, you know, today we're doing it with with, with little technology. We're hopeful with, uh, with our first release of our um, – our eight-based platform that will be able to scale and take on many relationships and 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 use that technology so it'll be a technology enabled managed service. And then the last piece is uh, we're hopeful over time that we'll be able to sell the technology uh, um, you know as a as a SaaS, as a SaaS product. As
1: a as a standalone without the consultant.
2: As a standalone, there'll be enough intelligence where a client, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know could could take could take the product, you know, take it out of the wrapper and, fo- and follow, follow the instructions, so to speak, right, and and, um, and gain the benefits that they would get yeah. through, a, uh, you know, through an advisory service.
1: Yep, yep. So, if, so if I can I can just regurgitate it back to you. So, you, what you guys do is number one, you provide a consulting service that can help people get the alliance up and running. You can drop in and take a look at an existing alliance and do an, uh, what you call a diagnostic, which is a, an assessment of how, how the, the, you know, of all the different aspects of the alliance, and then you can become embedded in your managed service uh, offering. You can become embedded in the management, the, the periodic management of the alliance, and provide software, which is the collab to grow platform, to also run that process. And so the Collab to Grow platform, from what I understand, it l- allows you the ability to define both alliance partners. Uh, it allows you to interface with their technology, things like their Salesforce.com instance, so you can consume their sales pipelines, correct? And then synthesize Absolutely. them across. Absolutely. A key component. Yeah. yeah, and so. Think about how hard just that piece is, right? Like, where where do you go where two alliance partners can have a safe area where their sales pipelines are synthesized, and you can actually see where the where the performance of the alliance is happening? Uh, in again, in a trusted, secure environment, it's almost non-existent.
3: It is non-existent. Uh, in fact, again, as we kind of surveyed the market uh, in terms of technology um, for the strategic alliance it's, its basically being run today with legacy office products, you know, Word, Excel, PowerPoint. Yep. Uh, there's just there's a there's a couple of pieces of technology that are really far downstream for alliances, but uh, nobody is that we found at least is going to provide the capability on the front end of the alliance, you know, including yep. the establishment of KPIs and. And the and the you know bringing together of the CRM the CRMs for two companies and having a place where you know the partners can actually uh, work together.
1: It, that's right. So so in other words, what you do is beyond bringing in the Salesforce data or other you know sales you know customer relationship management CRM data. What you do is you apply KPIs, which are Key Performance Indicators. And then you manage all of the workflows that happen with the alliance because it is is a handoff-intensive activity that involves a lot of different people, correct? And and then lastly, you bring a scorecard to the process so that everyone... Number one reads, you know, sees the performance of the alliance using a, a, a common language, for for lack of a better word, and um, and on a consistent basis.
3: Yeah, and that's actually one of the most uh, exciting parts of the platform that we're working with you guys on, and and I think probably a, a real value differentiator is a, is the whole uh, score balance scorecard and KPIs. And, again, today, Strategic Alliance is still running this whole antiquated methodology of QBRs, quarterly business reviews. Right. And, you know, every quarter, you know, a bunch of folks come together, slap together some PowerPoint, and go sit in front of executives, and it's uh, pretty ineffective. There's not a lot of fidelity in the data. Um, so we're going to provide a high fidelity and, and basically – the ability for someone to have a daily business review if they want, because the is yeah. gonna be there in real time with high fidelity. So, pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, no, I, absolutely. You know, just, just a point that I, I think is worth highlighting is, you know, as an operator, I always think about, so who do I put in jobs, right? And it's safe to say that these companies put in alliance managers for these things, typically, right? Yes. Now, so if I was to think about what it what what's required of a person who needs to be a good alliance manager, is you know they 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 may have some influence over their own company, um, but maybe not direct uh, supervisory type control of the people that are supposed to perform, and they certainly have you know much more much lower level of power over the other side. And so you think of, well, then this person has to be a very influential person because they can't order people to do things. But they also need to be able to, you know, pound their fist on the table if necessary when things aren't getting done. And then they need to be good at compiling metrics and running an organized process on an ongoing basis and then being transparent about it. It it seems like a little bit of a unicorn, right? Right. To find a person that has all these skills.
3: Yeah, and interestingly enough, just typically just the opposite occurs in in the people that get assigned to
1: these roles. Yeah, I could see that. It's
3: like the person, the person who's available because they can't do <laughs> much else. So,
1: right. I, 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 I've I mean seen that, that before. Kiddingly. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen that before. It's like, okay, well, this person doesn't there's somebody better to do every other role in the company. Let's just throw them at the Alliance. Right. Exactly. Yep, I could see and, that, and and it becomes more of a person who's a little bit maybe political and less operational.
2: Well, that's that's what yeah. I said, Albert. Uh, you're absolutely right. And my experience, uh, you know, having worked with large SIs and and others, that um, they're not putting the right resources on it. They're not thinking about it strategically. You know, think about a company and a CEO. Who just says, "Look, I've I got an opportunity to build an alliance and generate 40% of my revenue, right, with this alliance? Wouldn't I put my best sales guy on that process?"
1: Yep, absolutely.
2: They put the worst salesperson on there, right? Somebody who can't make it. Oh, and working alliances because there's no career in, in that in that path. They got it backwards.
1: That's exactly they right. They
3: have it backwards. Yep, uh, and, and, and I think there's a, even a larger opportunity. We did a lot of research in middle market. A lot of middle market companies won't have a person like this and probably can't afford to hire them, which I think provides an opportunity both from us from a managed service perspective, as well as when our platform is, is truly a SaaS platform. So I just think there's huge opportunity out, around this, this whole space
1: absolutely no it's it's very very exciting stuff guys i think you are you're on to something big so so where are you in the development of the software?
3: yeah well obviously um just a little background on that um, you know when we uh decided you know one of the key legs of our stool uh, was going to be a you know a platform um, you know we we did a we did a fair amount of due diligence. Ken and I talked with some VCs. We talked with some development professionals. Um, we clearly looked at the, the tool market and, you know, our, our goal, we had two goals, one uh, speed to market and two cost. Cause <laughs> we're a small startup and, we, you know, our goal was if, if possible to try and bootstrap that. So, you know, obviously, as you know, we, uh, we ended up selecting 8Base. Um, and we've been you know, working with you guys uh, in a very uh, interactive, iterative way around uh, uh, design and build. Um, and
1: we appreciate and, that. Uh,
3: <laughs> and we've, uh, it, uh, it's been really exciting. And, and the results so far have been um, you know, pretty, they've exceeded my expectations, the, the, the tool itself is is creating some, you know, amazing UI and, uh, the, the, the end stuff that's all there is, uh, it's, you know, having been a developer early in my career would have taken, you know, two years probably to build most of the stuff that you guys have built into 8Base. So it's pretty, a pretty exciting journey. And obviously exciting journey just to continue to work with you, Albert, and your team. It's been, uh, very positive experience
1: and exceeded expectations well thank you and and i think worth highlighting is that you guys are working with us in two capacities right so the the plan you're building the software on eight base but you're also using eight basis solution uh consulting arm to help you actually design and build it
3: yes and um, you know that was uh again a conscious decision we we don't want to be in the development business. Um, you know, we're you know our expertise is in strategic alliances. So, um, being able to leverage not only your your product but your team has been you know uh, super helpful. Um, and, and again, it's got it, it, it. For us, it's all about speed to market. Um, so yeah, uh, both the team and the product itself have uh, have uh, exceeded
1: expectations for Collab to grow. Great, great. And would you say, so, so, you know, there's lots of people that can build software. Would you say that it makes a difference um, working with experienced software as a service, uh, entrepreneurial sort of software as a product consultants versus just, you know, software as a thing uh, consultants that just throw it over the wall, you know, so... So sometimes you have consultants build things and then you have to operate it. But, you know, we not only are experienced in software operations, but, you know, the software has to run on our platform on an ongoing basis.
3: Yeah. I mean, it, you, you basically give them it's the, the benefit of, almost, of having kind of a DevOps world in your platform um, as opposed to throwing it over the, world, over
1: the wall. So.
3: Um yeah I think it's I think it's very important.
1: Great. Yeah, no we we um we're seeing a lot of that, you know, we're seeing a lot of people looking to basically stand up products, you know, not just stand up uh technology to power the internals of their business, but technology that differentiates their company. And you know, it's a little bit different thinking uh in many many ways, but one of those ways is that the you you have to portray a beautiful image right if you you're portraying your company to the outside world the branding the look and feel the way it all works uh the user interactions become incredibly important and we just don't see many platforms or certainly consultancies that can deliver at that level i don't know if your experience is any different
2: I think our experience, Albert, is pretty much the way you you um, you know you've outlined
1: it. Yeah. No. It's um. It's uh, I'm I'm glad to see things are going really well. When when do and you know? And I know the answers to some of these questions, but I'll have direct them at <laughs> you guys. When uh, you know the answers, Albert. <laughs> yeah. No. Of course. When do we? Uh, when can we expect to see the first version of the Collab to Grow software in the wild?
2: Well, we're hopeful that uh, that we can exercise it internally, uh, you know, on a on a real client, uh, at least parts of it, right? Uh, late March, early April, uh, if that if, if uh, the, the uh, delivery times have not changed, and uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful there maybe a couple of months beyond that, right? We could uh, uh, we could start commercializing it, uh, you know, as part of our uh, managed service capabilities. Right? and try to bring on more clients right by leveraging leveraging the technology that would be uh that would be a great uh a great accomplishment for both of us
1: absolutely no that's super exciting you know as you as you know i'm keeping an eye on um on on what's coming out i've been very very happy with the design and how quickly the development is- evol- is is happening um and you you guys always have uh an open door to to say that that's not the case. But uh I think so far everything's been going really really well and we're we're excited you know one one of the one of the dreams I've always had is obviously we want to make 8 base into this very very successful company but I would love to see some unicorns built on 8 base that would be the ultimate. So uh-huh. So make it happen, would, guys. Uh,
2: <laughs> so, so would we, yeah. So would we. Yeah.
1: Great, great. Well, this has been uh, a, a wonderful conversation, guys. Is there anything that uh, that, that we didn't talk about that you want to you want to say before we uh, we get back to work?
2: No, the only thing I would say is uh, we're delighted to have the opportunity to work with you and your team, right? And we found it to be uh, an uh, unbelievable experience, and and you know the. Uh, uh, we love you. We trust you, and uh, and we're counting on you.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Hey, the same holds true of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: why it's a great relationship.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, well, listen, you you know, hats off for everything that you guys have done. Um, I'm sure this is going to be very, very successful, uh, both with the software and with the efforts that you that you're putting forth. And I, I do believe you're you're really uh, way in front of an opportunity that has emerged in the world that most people are not seeing. But when you really, really talk to the people in the trenches, whether they be the CEOs or the alliance managers, they you will immediately catch their interest because they didn't think of it. But this is exactly the medicine they need to solve their problems.
2: Well, we hope so. We hope so, and uh,
3: you know we're we're looking forward to it. Yeah, just just an interesting anecdote before we go cuz we Ken and I just shot a video for our website so it's going to be cool but when <laughs> we we were shooting the video the the producer came in and, and he he had read all about what what we were doing as back as background before he did the shoot and you know first thing he says you know I I I know what you guys do and I I have a I have two companies that I really think could use your help <laughs> so anytime you actually can explain what it is that we're doing, yeah, everybody has a has a war story that they can say. Oh yeah, I can see where you guys could have helped these guys.
1: Oh, there's so. no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. There, you know, there are certain things in business that they go they go bad more often. Than they they go good, and this is definitely one of those things. In my, in yeah. my experience, you know, um, the other thing, it's funny. The other thing that. Most of the time goes bad and not good is software development projects, <laughs> well, as I you know, guys know well that. know. <laughs> yeah. I made
3: a living at that too.
1: <laughs> so between all of us, I think we're trying to, to we're we're taking bites out of big problems and uh, and we have the solution for them. So, guys, exactly, it's, this is a lot of fun. I, I wish you guys were here because I'd give you a hug. But uh, <laughs> stay warm and best of luck. All right, right,
2: Albert, you too, man. Thanks thanks so much for having us. us. No, thank you.
1: So this is 8Base Radio signing off. Appreciate you joining us for
0: 8Base Radio, hosted by 8Base founder and CEO, Albert Santalo. Join us every Monday in prime time at 5 p.m. for a powerful, interactive hour featuring top business leaders, technology trends, and upcoming impacting events in the business world, bringing together the brightest minds in business and tech. This has been 8Base Radio. See you next Monday at 5 p.m. Good night.